0: And welcome back to Kid Men Talk. This is your host, Carl Bastian, coming to you from Kidology.org. We are so honored, so blessed, and so privileged to be able to equip and encourage you in your children's ministry. Today, I'm going to be talking about discipleship, specifically one-on-one discipleship. I know discipleship is something that we're doing all the time in a variety of ways, but we're going to talk about intentionally discipling some individual kids in your ministry. He's going to give you some practical tips. Also, for Kidology Premium members, there is a free new ebook that I've just published called Discipleship, 12 Practical Tips for Discipling Kids, and you need to download that and check it out. And so we're going to dive into how to disciple kids, why to disciples kids, but it's not going to be theory. It's going to have some real practical ideas for you. So sit back and let's talk Kidman. This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. It's one that I'm passionate about, and uh, it's it's just really exciting for me to get an opportunity to talk to you about this. Um, today is sponsored by just my new ebook, discipleship, and it's got little dots between each letter because every letter of the word discipleship is the beginning of a very practical tip, and um, there's 12 letters, and so there's 12 tips, and they're all something that uh, is really going to help you out, and so if you're a premium member of Kidology, I encourage you to go to the website, just go to kidology.org slash disciple tips, and you can download that. Hey, if you're not yet a member of Kidology, you are truly missing out. For just 16 cents a day, you get access to a vault, a vast amount of Kidology ideas, curriculum, encouragement, discounts in our store. I I could take a whole podcast, and maybe I should sometime, to tell you all the incredible things that you can get by joining Kidology. We appreciate your support. We are a nonprofit organization, and we give free memberships to small churches, church plants, missionary students, almost on a daily basis, because anyone that cannot afford Kidology, we give it to them for free. But that means all the more so, we need those of you who have a budget and can support us to join us. And it is worth joining. All right. In fact, some of you who really love Kidology, I want to challenge you to go check out kidology.org slash champions and consider becoming one of our donors. In fact, on that page right now for a limited time, we're giving away a $200 resource to those who become champions, which is a $99 donation. And we would be just so blessed and so encouraged if you would consider doing that. But let's talk about discipleship. What an incredible opportunity we have to make a difference in the lives of kids. You know, some people ask, you know, well, discipleship, that's just a broad term. I mean, everything we're doing is discipleship. I mean, we're making disciples, and that's true. But today I'm going to focus on some very intentional discipleship, because if you think about it, let's look at the life of Jesus, all right? He ministered to the masses. I mean, he could draw a crowd and um, he did miracles. I mean, he was the first gospel magician, right? Except there was nothing up his sleeve. And um, people flocked to him. And yet we know there were 12 disciples. All right. Jesus intentionally chose 12 men who he was going to pour his lives into and after jesus left and ascended up to heaven he had not uh, founded a website or a school or a program there was no brochure there was no logo what did he do he told those disciples to do what he did to go into all the world and to make disciples all right baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then, of course, teaching them to obey everything that he had taught them. And he gave a model there for what discipleship is. It's intentionally choosing individuals that you're going to pour your life into. You're going to make sure they're saved, they're baptized, and that they know what it means. They know how to obey everything that you were taught, that Jesus taught some disciple, who taught a disciple, who taught a disciple, who taught a disciple, who eventually taught you. And of course, we're always in process, but it's that intentionality that sets apart discipleship from just ministry, right? Broad ministry is not discipleship all right it it adds to the process and of course it's wonderful we've got to reach the masses but real life change and real long-term change comes from intentional discipleship you may have been discipled in an informal way but there was someone who poured into you took a special interest in you perhaps met with you and that's discipleship it can take on many shapes many forms but the common denominator is an intentional targeting of an individual to pour into them, into their spiritual life. I, I remember Ralph Hines, who met with me in high school. We didn't go through a book, but we met early at McDonald's once a week, and he just challenged me. He uh, We talked about different topics. I don't even remember if we had an official book we went through. We may have, and I've long since forgotten the book, but I haven't forgotten my disciple. My my wife was discipled one-on-one on Friday nights by a gal named Kathy Gleason. And she attributes those, those, those uh, very critical teenage years when you can kind of choose which direction to go, that it was that time on Friday nights when a lot of kids are getting into trouble, that she was being discipled one-on-one that kept her on the right track. So think about it. Jesus had disciples. He challenged us to go make disciples. And I love the story. I heard it first from Dick Kreider. I don't know if he originated it or if he just loves um, to tell it. He's a trainer for DiscipleLand. And you can even go to DiscipleLand.com and go to their free training area. And Dick has some wonderful online training videos um, that you may enjoy. he's He's a great guy. But he was the one that first described to me a story of imagining if Jesus showed up at your church. I mean, wow, how cool would that be? I mean, I know he's there every Sunday, but just imagine he showed up in person and he said, hey, show me around. You'd be like, oh my goodness, I should have updated those bulletin boards. and But you'd be showing him how you've decorated and the cool stuff you have and the safety procedures that are in place. and. And uh, you'd be showing them the classrooms and the equipment and all these things, your resource room, maybe your playground outside, or, you know, the way you've themed and everything. And Jesus would be very impressed. In fact, he'd probably uh, commend you for um, the priority and the energy and the time and the investment that you put into kids. But what if after all that, he said, now introduce me to your disciples. And you'd be like, well, uh, they're all my, they're all your disciples. And he'd say, no, I want to meet your disciples. Who are you discipling? Would you be able to answer that question? Would you be able to say, I'm discipling Chip? You know, I'm discipling Andy. I'm discipling Barry. All right, would you be able to give those answers to him of who you are intentionally pouring your life into? And I don't care how big your ministry is, how many leaders and kids and families you oversee, you have time to pour yourself into a few individual kids. And I can tell you, the kids that I have done that with, many of them Our graduates from Bible college are currently in Bible college and they're pursuing a life of ministry. And I think discipleship had a big part of pushing them there. So let me give you a couple of tips. Now, these tips are actually found in the introduction of the leader's guide to the awesome adventure, which is the one-on-one discipleship book that my wife and I wrote. And the Disciple is published and recently re-released with a completely new update. It's I'm in the book as a cartoon dude hiking through Yosemite with Dee, Cy, Paul, and Chip. Get it? Disciple Chip. Um, Those are the characters in the book. And there's two new characters who are new believers. And um, I think it's Laura and Luke. And uh, Luke was um, coincidentally drawn to look somewhat like my son, although he's not my son in the book. But uh, I kind of asked for that and it was pretty cool. So you've got a kid you're going to disciple. I'm just going to assume you're going to identify a kid. It could be one of those really good kids, pastor's kid, deacon's kids. They need someone outside of their parents reinforcing what they're learning at home. It could be a troubled kid. And the kid that just really needs some attention, you just know they're really not walking with the Lord. Um, but they're they a Christian, or maybe they're not. You can lead them to Christ with the first lesson. Or maybe you pick a kid who's going through a hard time. I've, I've discipled a child, a uh, young man whose mom was dying of cancer, and it gave us a, a purpose to getting together to be discipled, and yet we were able to deal with um, what he was going through in his life. So you think through, who can I pour into? And you invite them. You call them, and you say, hey, I want to do something really cool with you. I'd like to... Get together once a week or once every two weeks, and I'd like to disciple you. Maybe share uh, who poured into your life and that you would like to do it too. I've never had a kid say no, all right? And then you get together. So tip number one, what about what do you do? I mean, where do you decide to go? Well, you pick a time and you pick a place. It's kind of like a quiet time. And I've almost always done it in public fast food places. Um, Parents can drop the kids off. You can pick the kids up you got to stay within the bounds of uh, your safety procedures maybe you don't you have a never one alone so i've discipled two two boys often you can have the parents drop them off um you just make sure you're on the same page with the parents in in how you're doing it but pick a time and pick a place and that becomes your regular appointment where you're going to get together in fact one-on-one is great i never do more than two Two's is nice because if you ask a question, you're kind of throwing it out to two people. And um, one kid doesn't necessarily feel on the spot. And then if one kid has to cancel, you know, you can get to one on one time with the other. And, um, and there can be some fun camaraderie and even competition with the memory rising of the Bible verses and things like that. But pick your time, pick your place. And then you've got your first meeting. What do you do with that first meeting? Well, you kind of explain what discipleship is. And if you're using a tool like the Awesome Adventure book, there's, other resources out there. You don't have to use the one that, that I created with my wife. But um, I would do that first lesson with them. You kind of show them how to do it. Look up the Bible verses, talk about the topic, but also take time to get to know them. Find out what's going on in their life. Don't expect them to open up about very deep personal things in your first meeting, but you're setting the precedence that you you care not so much about the book and the content, but you care about them. And you care about them living for God and walking with God and, and doing so in a victorious way. So that's your first meeting and it can be a lot of fun. It can be low key, but then all of your future meetings, what you're going to do is you're going to review the lesson. I should have said in the first lesson, you challenge them to do, um, half or three-fourths of the next lesson on their own at home that's kind of their accountability that they're serious about this now if you get together and they haven't done it um, you can do it with them but really challenge them and I've used very simple little incentives and prizes and things like that maybe a a large fry instead of a small fry or whatever um, if they will um, do those lessons on their own so review what they've done Uh, re-look up the Bible verses and talk about them, encourage the kids to highlight and underline them in their Bible, Um, ask them, you know, what questions they have. Again, find out what's going on in their personal life, spend time in prayer with them, and um, and then do the final part of the lesson together. If you're using Lesson Adventure, I, I have the kids do the first two to three pages, and then we always do the fourth page together, all right? Now, another tip is it's important to be flexible. Remember, your goal is not to finish a book, right? The book provides a structure. It provides a launching point to talking about things. It makes sure that you, you have some direction. You're not just aimlessly just getting together and talking about whatever you want. But you wanna be flexible. If, if something happens, I mean, they got suspended from school. They got in a big fight with their mom or dad. Um, things are going on with their siblings. You know, It's okay to set the book aside. And say, let's talk about that. What would God have you do? What does the Bible say about that? And and if you can link the lessons that you've done in the past to that life situation, you're showing them that this isn't a pigeonhole, a separate box category of life. Discipleship is a part of who we are, how we react to things. You could talk about a gentle answer, turns away wrath, and honoring your mother and father and what that means. And you work on those things. Next point is Be transparent. All right. You are not um, super Christian. All right. You are a fellow disciple. And as, as far as that goes, you're not a perfect disciple. You're flawed. You've made mistakes. So share your success stories. Um, share with things when you did the right thing and God bless and all worked out, but, but be willing to share some tough stories too. I mean, share failures, time you got fired, time you got in trouble, time you got suspended, time you got in a fight at school, got beat up or whatever, because as you're real with them, it shows them that, that it's okay for them to not be perfect and that and they'll be more honest and transparent with you because, because you'll be modeling that for them. Number six, be accountable, all right? Don't ask a kid to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. If you're going through Awesome Adventure, you don't hand a book to a kid. You both have a book. You do the lessons yourself. Now, if you've been through the book 10 times, you still need to review that lesson. You still need to read those Bible verses, all right? Maybe not every single one, every time if you're a pro and you've discipled lots of kids after a while. But it's got to be fresh, Scripture memory, you need to make sure that you memorize the verses too. All right, you don't ask the kids to do something that you yourself are not willing to do. All right, and so you can start out with them quizzing you. Not just you quizzing them, right? I mean, the first verse in Awesome Adventure, it is a challenging verse. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head overall. Wow. I mean, that is a killer verse. There's some shorter ones, but I love that. In fact, I intentionally made the first verse a challenging verse because I wanted to set the bar high and say, you can do this. You can memorize this. And the the neat thing is when you start to hear kids use that in a prayer, I mean, they'll be praying and they'll just say, God, to yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. You'll hear that start to leak out the scripture that you're challenging them to memorize. All right. So get together, pick your time and place at that first meeting, do lesson one together and begin to establish that relationship. And all your future meetings, review the lessons, talk about it, and and then be flexible. In fact, if a kid hasn't done a lesson and or hasn't done the challenges you gave them, it's okay to say, you know what, we're going to stay on this lesson. We're going to do this lesson again next week. Now, I don't mean fill in the blanks again and read all the same verses, but you're going to stay on that topic, right? If you are um, challenging them in a chapter or a resource about having quiet times, and then you say, hey, did you have a quiet time this week? And they say, no, it's probably better to stay on that topic and give them a little more guidance on what to do during a quiet time. Give them some of those acronyms, like the word pray. They can praise, they can repent, they can ask, and they can yield. Um, Give them another challenge. And, you know, start out with once a week, all right. Daily quiet times. I don't know if you're a super Christian and do it every day. I don't make it every day. All right. The, the reality, it's not the legalism of how much you do it. It's it's that you do and that they learn how to do it. If you challenge them to, to have a journal um, that they write in. You know, make that journal with them or for them or go to a store and help them pick one out. And uh, I call mine CADVAD. It's C-A-D-V-A-D, and it stands for chapter a day, verse a day. And I tell them, I want you a couple times this week. Every day would be great, but if you could do it three times, you're a rock star compared to most Christians. And in your CADVAD notebook, you write the date you write the chapter you read, and then you write out one verse from that chapter. All right, something that uh, that you just thought was the coolest verse, or it spoke to you in some way. All right, you can you can challenge them to memorize it, but they've already got memory work, so just have them um, write the verse out. Some kids are going to want to journal or doodle or illustrate the verse. Every personality is different, so I don't push that. If they'll just write the verse out, I know they read the chapter, picked a verse, look it up that chapter in their Bible, make sure they've underlined it because they're going to begin to develop a habit, all right? And so be willing to stick with that. If you're talking about prayer and they have got a prayer request or they say, oh, I just pray at my meals or whatever, say, let's take another week, let's focus on prayer because these first lessons on Bible and prayer, they're foundational to the rest of the discipleship. And so, uh, be flexible. Five member, I said, be transparent, be real with them. Number six, be accountable. All right. You learn the verses and do the stuff too. And uh, you can have a lot of fun with that. Last tip is be wise. All right. Have wisdom in what you share. Um, have wisdom in, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, meeting with kids, you know, in general, men should disciple boys and women should disciple girls. I honestly am trying to remember if I ever discipled, uh, a young lady. And I, I don't believe that I have, I may have, uh, discipled so many kids. Um, but when I, I did once, it was a brother and a sister and I went to the house and I met with both of them, you know, in the living room, parents were home. And uh, so just be wise about how you do it because the last thing you want is to, to have anybody, um, you know, uncomfortable with uh, the relationship that you are developing with these kids. Um, if you're doing email, um, you know, I copy the parents on the email so that they, they see the communication that's going on between me and the kids. So just just have wisdom. I probably don't need to spell that out for you um, in, in all the details of what that could mean, but it's important. And pray for wisdom and how hard to push and how hard to challenge and when to take a break if they need a break, when, when to confront a parent. I mean, Oh, here's a story for you. I was discipling a young guy. He was a teenager, and this was in the city. And this young man was um, struggling with smoking. And uh, so we were working on how to break that habit, how to treat his body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then I find out from another teenager, I said, well, the reason so-and-so, I'm not going to say his name, the reason he's having a hard time kicking the cigarettes is that his dad's buying him the cigarettes. I'm like, holy cow. So, you know, I prayed about what to do. And then God just gave me a, a clear uh, idea. I went to this dad and I said, I quit. He said, what do you mean you quit? He said, I'm not meeting with your son anymore. He said, well, why not? Has he done something wrong? I said, no, no, not at all. I said, uh, you have. <laughs> it was an awkward moment. But I said, if, if you think that I, as the children's pastor, can have an influence on your son and help him, especially when it comes to the smoking um, if you think I have a greater influence than you, you're kidding yourself. You are the biggest influence in your son's life. And, um, and, and you you cannot be buying him cigarettes. Now, I, I had to ask him at first, of course, if, if that was true, what I had heard. And he affirmed that it was true. So I said, well, unless you commit to me that you will not be an enabler for him. And he had his ex- excuses. I'm not going to repeat the excuses, but he had his excuses. It was flat out wrong. And uh, he appreciated it. And he said, I won't do it. I'm going to back you up. I said, no, you're not backing me up. I'm backing you up. You're the dad. But I can't back you up. If if you are enabling him, and um, and so it was just one of those things where um, you know I had to pray for wisdom on how to approach this, and uh, we ended up seeing great victory in that young man's life because I was working with the parents as opposed to uh, well I'll meet with a children's pastor and, and it'll fix everything. That's a myth, all right. So anyway, it's great. So be flexible, um, and you know be be accountable. And it's great. I just want to end with one funny story. My favorite discipling story. I was um, discipling a young man. His, his name was Devin. I'm not going to give his last name, but it's a good story. So I, I think I can share his name. He, he's actually in ministry today. He went to seminary and he's in ministry today. Very exciting. Uh, this, was, uh, this was in the city of Chicago and it was a you know, tough situation. Great little kid. I mean, I saw so much potential um, in this young African-American boy that I was meeting with every week. And one time as we were um, meeting, he says, Pastor Carl, I got a question. I said, sure. What's your question, Devin? He said, well, is it true that um, hell is got fire? I said, well, let's let's see what the Bible says. That's my usual approach. So um, I got up my poem pilot and did a little search. Uh, you'd use your iPhone today. And um, sure enough, we looked up the scripture that talks about the lake of fire and that there's, there is indeed fire in hell. Well, he looked kind of pensive and thought for a moment. And then he said, uh, well, Pastor Carl, is it true that it's dark in hell? And I said, well, let's see what the Bible says. And so again, we did another search and uh, we used some tools and uh, and we found you know, the Bible verse that talks about the eternal darkness in hell. And he looked pensive again and then he looked at me and he says, but Pastor Carr, how could it be dark if there's also fire? Because fire emits light. Well, I got to admit, I was stumped. <laughs> and it's okay to say, I don't know. So I said, Devin, you, you've got a good question there. I said, all I know is that the Bible... Does say it's dark and it does say there's fire. It does appear to be a contradiction. So I said, "Tell you what, let me let me uh, ask around, I'll ask the senior pastor, and uh, I'll see if I can come up with an answer for you." No promises. Some some things we just don't understand, you know. And um, I think he suggested maybe everyone's blind or something. So that week I went to staff meeting. I had a room full of pastors, and I, I proposed to them. I said, "I got a question for you. How can there be?" Uh, darkness in hell. If there's also fire in hell, because fire emits light. Well, got to tell you, all the pastors were stumped. Senior pastor had nothing for me, and um, so I began just asking every Christian I came across, just just as a fun conversational thing. So I got I got a disciple that needs an answer to this, and uh, finally, it actually was an Awana leader, and uh, his name was Chuck, and um, and he said, well, ob- obviously the fire's fueled by uh, alcohol. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, actually, there's some NASCARs, and he was a big racing guy, and there's some cars that uh, use alcohol fuel, uh, alcohol based fuel. And I may be saying this wrong. I'm, I'm not a racing expert like Chuck was. And uh, he said, but they can catch fire, and the fire is invisible. And the driver sometimes won't even know that the car's on fire because you, you can't actually see the flames. And I was so ecstatic to, to, to learn this tidbit. So the next week I got together with Devin. I said, Devin, I have a, a possibility for you. Of course, I don't know if this is the answer because nowhere in the Bible does it say that the fire in hell, the lake of fire is is can, made up of uh, alcohol-based um, fuel or something. But I explained to him. But I decided I wanted him to experience. So I got a big piece of uh, tile, and I made a little circle with some poster putty, and I got some alcohol. And at first, I didn't tell him what the ingredient was because I was nervous from going home and Repeating this and burning the house down. and um, But I, I poured this mystery liquid in the middle. We got a match or a lighter and we lit it and we couldn't see anything. But if we ran our hand over it, ow, we could feel the flames burning our hand momentarily as we passed our hand over the flame. Well, he was ecstatic. He twisted my arm, had to know what this ingredient was. I made him promise upside down and backwards in every direction, um, cross his heart and hope to die and poke a needle in his eye and all that stuff that he would you know, not go home and do this. Um, but he wanted to know that it was real and true. So I, I told him it, w- it was uh, alcohol and I can't remember if it was rubbing alcohol or pure alcohol. Um, we're talking, this is 15, 20 years ago. And um, well then about a week later, I get a call from his mom and I said, oh, <laughs> hopefully the fire department's not over there. And she told me a most amazing story. Um, I did not I did not realize uh, at that time that Devin's dad was in prison and uh, was in there for some alcohol-related um, offenses. And Devin got to go visit him, and he said to his dad, Dad, do you know why hell is dark but also has fire? And even though fire emits light, it's still dark. Of course, his dad was stumped. The pastors were stumped. And he said, Dad, it's because all the alcohol of all the sinners that have abused alcohol in this world. <laughs> he said, Dad, if you don't turn your life around and get right with God and stop this alcohol abuse, you are going to um, go to hell. Where the where the beer and the wine are all burning on in invisible flames now his theology was off a little bit um, but he took from that um, from that experience um, you know the alcohol and uh, so it, it was kind of funny and um, probably uh, literally scared the you know hell out of his dad and I mean that in the literal sense not not the uh, profanity sense and uh, but just one of those fun stories and I could tell you story after story after story of great questions Great challenges, great problems. We did what the Bible said, and it worked. and and it's so cool. So let me encourage you to uh, go to Kidology and download, um, if you're a premium member, that's a perk for premium members, but download my discipleship book. And I've got 12 tips in there on how to develop a relationship, how to identify potential disciples, about how important scripture memory is, and challenging kids, and investing in them, praying with them, loving unconditionally, expecting much so that you'll get much, sticking with it, holding them accountable, how to imitate Christ for them, providing learning opportunities, um, just a whole ton of practical um, examples. But it's not a long book. I think it's under 50 pages long and it's even in a small format. So it's easily digestible and can make a huge difference in your ministry as you begin to pour into kids one-on-one. Actually taking time out of your busy schedule to get together with a kid one-on-one, open up the Word of God, answer their questions and, um, and help them apply, um, the the Christian life to their actual life. And I'm telling you, it's going to become the highlight of your ministry and also the part of your ministry that will have the longest and, um, most eternal results. And so I hope you'll take this challenge to heart. Well, thanks again for listening to Kidman Talk. I so appreciate the emails I get at carl at kidmantalk.com or the tweets to at Kidman Talk or, or at kidologist. And especially appreciate when you participate in the forum discussion that's linked at the bottom of the show notes. Don't forget, if you're listening on the go, to get on the computer and check out the show notes. Until next time, this is Carl.